I'm excited for what we're talking about tonight because what we're talking about tonight is something that is near and dear to my heart because it's a battle that I have battled my entire life. Tonight, we're going to talk about overcoming and handling anxiety in our lives. How many of you have ever experienced anxiety before? Anybody? Okay, so we are in good company in here, right? The reality is that you probably have been worried about things. Why? Because as college students, there's a lot of things going on, right? At this age of your life, between the ages of 18 to 25, you're deciding, am I at the right school? Am I in the right major? What am I going to do with my life? Will I have enough money? Where can I find a job? What responsibilities am I going to have at work? How much homework do I have? How do I look? What should I wear? Who should I date? Who should I marry? Is my car going to start this morning? And some of you are like, Steve, stop it. I'm, yeah, you're going to give me an anxiety attack right now, right? And all of us handle anxiety different. The reality is we all experience it. Some of you, I don't know how you do it, but you are what I call the anxiety. You're in the deflator category. You're like the cool cucumber. So, like, this is my wife somehow. Like, she could be literally in the middle of a forest fire, and she'd just be like, oh, everything's okay, right? I'm like, I don't know how you do that, right? She's in the deflator category, which means that when my wife gets stressed, she kind of just, like, hunkers down. Anybody else like that? You're the deflator category? All right. I'm in the inflator category, which means all of my emotions become inflated when I get stressed. All right? If you work with me, you know this. Steve gets stressed about something, and all of a sudden you hear him yell from his office down the... It's like, ah! It's like, what happened? It's like, oh, I just... I just... Uh, I just had a typo. That's all. All right? Uh, and and uh, I'm a, I'm an inflator. I get I get you know whatever. And then there's the the denier category. All right, the and you might be in this category. Well, first of all, any other inflators in here? Raise your hand. You guys, okay, okay, four of you. All right, you are all lying. All right, you are lying. Most of you are lying. And then there's uh, the denier category. You get stressed, and you're the person who you're like freaking out. You're like, I'm not stressed. You're stressed. You know what I'm saying? All right, any, anybody the denier in here? Okay, very good. Thank you. Thank you for that, Nathan. I appreciate your honesty. Thank you, Zach. All right. The reality is, is that for the rest of your life, you are going to find yourself in stressful situations. The reality also is, is that our society currently, we are actually the most, uh, some social scientists will say that we are the most stressed out generation to ever walk the face of the planet. Which is surprising because we're all living in nice homes and like usually we don't have to like worry about animals eating us at night. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to some, you know, sometimes like obviously there was a time in our world where, you know, a bear could have come into your house at any point in time and just eaten you alive, Right. So we were like, Steve, why are you talking about this? I have no idea. That wasn't in my notes. Uh, but we're a stressed out generation. We're a stressed out society. And dealing with this, as you maybe are here tonight, and uh, you, you've struggled with anxiety in your life, and it's more of like a generalized nuisance in your life. For some of you, and I won't ask you to raise your hand, but anxiety for you has come in the form of being uh, rather debilitating. It is... It sets you on a, on a course in which maybe it leads to depression or, or the inability to focus or maybe anxiety attacks. And I believe this tonight, that Jesus has 
victory for you and has peace for you tonight. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's good news. You see, this guy in Scripture writes that he learned the secret of being content in whatever the circumstance. His name was Paul, and he writes this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to be content in whatever the circumstance? I have four exams tomorrow, and I have to open at Kaladi's, and, I, uh, and also my girlfriend dumped me. Right? That would be a terrible day. <laughs> okay? <laughs> like the world's worse. Uh, but Paul says, I, have, I know the secret of being content in whatever the circumstance. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, he actually breaks this down. We're going to talk about that later. But what I want to propose to you tonight is that Paul actually asks us, he actually commands us in Philippians 4 to not be anxious about anything. You see, I believe this is that anxiety eventually gives way to fear. Fear opens the doors for a lot of different avenues for the enemy in our lives. And Jesus himself actually in Matthew chapter 6 says, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Jesus himself says that worry is actually useless. Okay, all of that sounds really, really good. And I can, I can stand up here and say, hey, stop worrying. You're like, okay. And then guess what you're going to do? You're going to walk out of this room and you're going to worry again. So I want to put some handles on this for you. And I don't think anybody throughout Scripture puts better handles on this principle than our friend David in the book of Psalms. So David, if you don't know him, he uh, is a buddy of mine. We're not, like, actually friends. He's been dead for a long time. But David is a friend of mine because I, I, I hang out with David when I read Scripture. I learn from David when I read Scripture. I'm like, oh, David, that's pretty cool how you did that, right? And so I consider David a friend. And David, uh, uh, pa- uh, well, not Pastor David, uh, King David is what I'm looking for. King David became king in Israel, Okay. And so you got to know the backstory. We're going to be in Psalms 57. We're going to learn some things from David tonight. You need to know the backstory of Psalms 57, though. Psalms 57 was written by David while he was hiding in a cave. Now, why was he hiding in a cave, you might ask? Well, you see, there was a king in the land, and his name was Saul. And King Saul had essentially been replaced by King David. So... King David had been anointed king over Israel, but King Saul was like, nah, not yet. I don't want you to be king yet. So I am going to try to oust you because I want to stay king. And so Saul decided that he was going to form a committee and form a manhunt and hunt David down and kill him. Now, you know that day I talked about? where you have four tests, you have to open a Claudius, and your girlfriend dumped you? That's a bad day, right? David's day is a little worse than that. He's hiding in a dark cave, and if he gets found, he is going to die. Stressful situation? Can we agree that that's a stressful situation, right? Okay, stressful situation. So how does David handle it? Well, we can learn some things from David as to how he handled the stressful situation in our lives, and hopefully apply some of these things to our lives so as to be able to handle stress. So this is what David wrote while hiding in a cave, running for his life. He says, Have mercy on me, O 
God. Have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster is past. I cry out to you, God, most high, to God who vindicates me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. I am in the midst of lions. I am forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake my soul. Awake harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Do you notice in this passage how there are moments in which David seems to be holding it together. And then there's moments in which David is kind of freaking out. If King David, one of the mightiest men in the Bible, has permission to freak out a little bit in the Lord's presence, my friends, we have permission to freak out a little bit in the Lord's presence once in a while. That's good news. And so we're going to break this down. What was David doing in this psalm? What is he trying to teach us as to how to be able to handle stress in our lives? Tonight, we're going to essentially do this. I'm going to challenge all of us to renew our minds in order to leave anxiety behind. So how do we renew our minds? David had to renew his mind. He'd get stressed. And then you renew his mind. He gets stressed, you renew his mind. So how do we renew our minds in order to to leave anxiety behind? Well, there's three things we must renew tonight. And the first one is this. We need to renew our trust. Renew our trust. And can you guys hear me okay? This just sounds quiet a little bit. We're good in the back? All right, good, 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 good. Awesome. Renew our trust. Verse 3 says this. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. I cry out to God most high, to God who vindicates me. You see, David is constantly trying to make God bigger than his circumstances. He says, God, this is how big my circumstance is. And then he reminds himself that God is indeed bigger than the circumstance. You see, when we renew our trust in God, when we get worried, when we get stressed, it's actually the opposite. Worry is the opposite of trust. In fact, worry should serve as like an indicator or a check engine light on the car of our lives to let us know that something is off in our trust engine before the Lord. You see... Many times what you are worried about is actually what we are placing trust in. For example, if you're worried about finances, oh, I don't know, I don't know where my next, I don't know if I'm going to have enough money for this, that, the other thing. It means that you are placing your trust in money. 
If you're worried about your future spouse and finding a future spouse, oh, I'm just never going to get married. I'm just never going to get married. Nobody loves me, blah, 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 right? What you're doing is you're actually placing your trust in another person. You say, oh, I just, I'm stressed out about grades constantly. Ah, oh, man, uh, this, this, that, the other thing and all that. Well, you're placing your trust in an identity given to you based off of a performance and the grade that you receive. By definition, this is actually an idol in your life. You see, David made a decision not to place trust in his strength. He does not say, it does not say this, that, Oh, you know, I'm in the midst of lions. I'm forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, but I have killed big animals and giants, and so I'm going to be good this time. Notice he doesn't place his trust in his own strength. He restores his mind. He renews his mind to build trust in the Lord's power. Can you imagine if you were reading along the Psalms and it says this, I cling to the strength of these rocks. I find comfort in the blanket of darkness this cave has provided in which I hide and find my rest. Sounds beautiful, right? But isn't that, that would be kind of a little bit whack, wouldn't it? Like, why are you, why are you placing trust in the darkness of a cave, David? It's like, I, he's like writing, he's like, you will, no one's ever going to find me here. <laughs> I have the best hiding spot ever. After this whole situation is over, I'm coming back here to play hide-and-go-seek with my bros because I'm going to win, right? No, that would be weird, right? He, does not, he doesn't say, I place trust in this cave. He doesn't say, I place trust in this darkness. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. My friends, if we made our problems bigger than the God that we serve, have you ever talked, anybody in here have like a, a little brother or sister or niece and nephew that's in elementary, right? Okay. Uh, isn't it hilarious some of the things that they worry about? Like they'll drop a sucker and it falls on the ground. It's like, ah! They just start bawling their eyes out, right? Total anxiety, stress, like freak out moment, right? And you're like, it's just a sucker. What do you do? Like I have another one, right? I really think that God does that often in our lives. Like we get in a car accident, poosh, we're like, ah, my car! He's like, it's just a car. I'll get you another one. It's called insurance. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? To God, a car and a sucker are no big of a, that, they're not that big of a difference. An infinite God compared to a sucker versus an infinite God compared to our car actually isn't that big of a difference to him. They're both an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. And so when we renew our trust constantly, a powerful thing happens. And my place, what, my question there is what am I placing trust in? And is what I'm placing trust in working for my current level of anxiety. Because if it's not, our mind needs to be renewed. Okay, the second thing that, that David can teach us is that we need to renew our thoughts. Renew our thoughts. Or I think our notes say mind, but that's okay. Renew our thoughts or our mind. I love this. Okay, I'm going to read this again. I know we already read it, but I want you to pay attention to what David is doing here. Okay? 
It says this, He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and kindness. That's nice, right? Next verse. I am in the midst of lions. I am forced to dwell among ravenous beasts. We do that all the time, don't we? It's like, we like worship Jesus at Chi Alpha. It's like, ah, oh God, you are in the heavens. Then we walk out and we like look at our phone and somebody's texted us. I'm in the midst of a lion right now. And we completely forget what we just worshiped. But watch what David does. Men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Boop, stop. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Ah. Can we just take it? Can everybody, let's just take a collective deep breath in here right now, okay? Ah, right? That's like a nice, that's a breath of fresh air, right? Everything's good. And then the next verse. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path. He's stressed out again. David, make up your mind, man. The reality is, is this is how most of your days go, isn't it? It's like, no, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm not going to be okay. And I believe that when we develop the discipline, now I want you to hear this. Renewing our minds is a discipline. I believe the reason David was able to accomplish great things for the kingdom of God is because he was very good at the discipline that is renewing your mind. He was able to essentially say, no, 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 no. I am going to get back to being grounded in truth. I'm going to get back to being grounded in reality. And I'm going to be grounded in the promises of God. Okay, so remember I told you about Paul being the, knowing the secret of being content in whatever the circumstances? This is how he says to do it in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, so he says, don't be anxious about anything. The peace of God is coming, but what do you need to do? Sandwich there in the middle. In everything, you are to present your prayer and petition to the Lord, right? In other words, listen, in order for you to have the peace that transcends all understanding, you got to talk to God about this, okay? Now he goes on to say this, finally, brothers, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So that peace is sandwiched between two commands. In everything, we are to present our prayer and petitions to the Lord. That means that if you're stressed, you should be talking to God about your stress. And then after we talk to God about our stress and we receive that peace, then we start to renew our minds and whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is noble, whatever is admirable, we set our minds on those things. Now, this is not an easy thing. This takes practice to learn how to do this. It takes discipline. And my friends, if the word of God is not hidden in your heart, this is going to be a difficult thing to do. And this is why it's so important to take what 
the promises say in Scripture and hide them in our hearts because when we get stressed, we're able to come back and say, no, 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 no. In everything, I can present my request to you. And the peace of God that transcends understanding will guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And we hide that in our hearts. No, no, no. I will exalt you, O Lord. I will exalt you above the heavens and above the earth. You are the most high God. You are bigger than this problem. Your word says that you are bigger than this problem that I am facing. Oh, I'm worried about it again. Okay, I'm going to renew my mind again. For some of you, this is going to be something that could significantly change your life. To be able to, to say, I'm going to become disciplined in this process of renewing my mind. For some of you, it might be as simple as just having a few moments throughout your day in which you just relax in the Lord's presence. We talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago, I think, but uh, in uh, Psalms 46, verse 10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. That word be still literally means, it's, it's a word, a Hebrew word, uh, and the Hebrew word is rafa, which literally means to sink into and to relax in. A, the word rafa would make a great name for a recliner company. What I think of when I think of Rafa is I'm like going to get into, you know that like a couch whose springs are all busted and nasty? You know what I'm saying? And when you sit on it, you're just like, <laughs> and you're like swallowed. It's like, where'd Niall go? I'm right? It's like, where'd he go? Because you just sit in this couch and you're like, boom, you're like surrounded by that couch. But they're like the nicest couches to take naps on ever. They just kind of give you a, it's like someone's like just giving you a big hug the entire, the entire nap time. That word rafa is kind of like that. We sink into the presence of God. We allow ourselves to still our brains, to be still before the Lord, to shut off distractions, to become disciplined in this idea that maybe, just maybe, you should shut this phone off for just long enough to stop looking at it and get an anxiety attack every single time you do. And just say, ah, just, I need to become, I'm going to shut the music off. I'm going to shut my phone off. I'm going to shut my computer off. And I'm just going to get along with God. And just rafa, to be still in his presence. I think part of the reason David was able to actually renew his mind in these moments is because he was in a cold, dark cave. A sensory deprivation tank, pretty much, right? He's like, yeah, I'm just going to get, I'm just going to get alone. I'm just going to get alone with the Lord. Renew my thoughts. One of the people in my life that I really admire and respect that has the ability to do this well is my wife, Erin. I freak out about things all the time, and she's always there to just be like, Hey, Steve, <laughs> remember what the Lord says about you? <laughs> Whatever, right? It's like, no, you're right, you're right. Hey, let's just stop. And she, I don't know how many times, uh, Aaron, I don't even know how many times you said this. Hey, Steve, maybe we should stop and pray. It's like, ah, you're way holier than I am, right? Are you freaking out? Well, this is happening, and this is happening, and then, and then if, if this happens, then this person's going to do this, and then, then, then the world's going to start on fire, and everything's going to explode? And our lives will be over as we know it, and the moon won't even be inhabitable. I don't know why. Like, it's like total catastrophization, right? 
She's like, maybe, have you prayed about this, Steve? Yeah, no, I haven't. Okay, I'll go to that. So we renew our minds. We become disciplined in this art of saying, okay, every single time an unhelpful thought comes into my brain, I'm going to, it's not that, it's not that I'm going to get angry at that unhelpful thought. I'm just going to essentially attach a helpful thought to that unhelpful thought that will eventually trump the unhelpful thought. And if you get good at this, this becomes a constant thing. I believe that this is Paul's secret of being content in whatever the circumstances. Every time I get anxious, I talk to God about what I'm anxious about, and then he brings me peace. And once my thinking is correct, then I start dwelling on the positive things of promises in Scripture. Whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is kind. In fact, if you go to, like, a counselor, this is literally how they will teach you how to handle stress and anxiety. It's like, it's like Paul knows, it's like the Word of God knows how, it was like the Word of God was 2,000 years ahead of clinical science. Well, imagine that, right? Pretty cool, isn't it? All right, the last one. We renew our trust, we renew our thoughts. And finally, number three, we renew our perspective. We renew our perspective. David's perspective was constantly being shifted to make sure that God was in the rightful place in his life. In fact, he says he exalts God above the heavens twice in this passage. He, he proclaims that God's glory is over all of the earth. He proclaims that God's love reaches to the heavens. He, he refers to God as the Most High. His perspective was constantly getting renewed to make sure that God had the rightful place in his life. And so I want to close with some self-analysis questions tonight to make sure that your perspective of God is in the right place in your life. Okay? So here we go. The first question, am I trying to control things God never asked me to control? Anxiety usually comes from a desire to control the uncontrollable things in our life. Am I trying to control things God never asked me to control? See, the reality is Jesus is supposed to be the Lord of our lives, which means we're supposed to take everything and lay every single thing that we have at his feet. Matthew 6 says it this way. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Another question. Am I carrying weight that isn't mine to carry? Am I carrying weight that isn't mine to carry? My friends, we live in a society in which on your fingertips, on your social media page, is every terrible thing that's ever happened this week in our world. Seven billion people's problems are staring you in the face every single day. If you are struggling with anxiety, I challenge you to delete social media off of your phone for the next month. And if you do, I guarantee there's going to be change in the area of worry and anxiety in your life. 
guarantee it. We are not designed to handle 7 billion people's problems. Now, I think it's good to be stay current on current events and stay up on what's happening in the world. I'm not saying that. But when we are getting inundated, when, when your grandparents got the news, they, like, read the newspaper in the morning for, like, maybe 20 minutes over a cup of coffee. We spend four hours on average on social media a day. Can you imagine if your grandpa read the newspaper for four hours every single day? He'd probably have anxiety too. Not to mention the fact that we see images and and that are that we see we see video, we see graphic things that come into our lives and we can't just delete them. Stuff that literally triggers things in our brains that would be the same brain triggers that would be that would be triggered when we when we see something traumatic and we're watching this stuff all the time. Are we carrying things that was never ours to carry? My friends, if you're dealing with anxiety, do yourself a favor, shut some of that stuff off. I uh I had to do this a couple months ago. I was like, I got to take a break from news for a month. And it was like my anxiety level dropped from like a nine to like a three within a week because I just said no to some news sources. It was beautiful. Another question, am I looking for a struggle-free life? You see, when we renew our perspective, we start to realize that God's intention is not to give us a struggle-free life. And that some stress in our lives is actually okay. We serve a God of peace, but we do not serve a God of ease. I want you to hear that. We serve a God of peace, but we do not serve a God of ease. He did not promise you an easy life. He promised you a life full of peace in whatever the circumstance that transcends understanding. But he did not promise you a life of ease. Some stress is okay. It pushes us. It motivates us. I believe this, that your capacity for the kingdom will increase as you increase your ability to let Jesus handle your stress. But sometimes we run from stress. We say stress bad, stress bad, stress bad, stress bad. No, no, no. You just need, we just all need to learn how to give our stress to Jesus. And when we learn how to do that, Jesus is able to entrust us with things for his kingdom. Otherwise, we reach a place in our dreams where we, they become challenging and we just give up. We say, ah, whatever, I, I just, that just got too stressful. If it was the Lord's will, it would have been the Lord's bill of stress, right? And so I just would have, he should have paid for that stress. If it's stressful, I don't, if I, obviously it's not the Lord's will. No, that's not how that works. Some of the most beautiful things that the Lord has called Aaron and I to do have required some of the, 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 greatest, the greatest acts of not our own bravery, but our, us saying, God, I, this scares the living snot out of me. I need you to take this fear. I can't do this. Can you take this fear? Can you help me with this anxiety? And he fills me with peace and gives me just enough courage to be able to say yes in a moment. And finally, the last question to renew our perspective is, am I 
keeping eternity in mind? Am I keeping eternity in mind? I believe that, that one of the things that made David such a powerful king is that he constantly kept eternity in his perspective. He constantly was understanding that the things of this world are not permanent, that there is a life after this that is infinitely more valuable than this life. Paul writes to Timothy in chapter 6 and says, For we brought nothing to this world and we can take nothing out of it, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. I challenge you to change your base level of need tonight. If you feel entitled to things in your life, I need this, I, I deserve this. Entitlement is a gateway drug for anxiety. Entitlement will always lead to, to anxiety because we'll say, I deserve this thing, and when I don't have it, it stirs up anger and desire in me. And the worship team can come back up. I, uh, two summers ago, I, I bought a, a boat. And some of you are like, ooh, ooh, must be nice to be a pastor. You bought a boat. Uh, you should see my boat, all right? It is a 15-foot uh, uh, inflatable raft with a motor on the back that I buzz everywhere, man. We take that thing out in the ocean, and we just cruise it, all right? Uh, my boat literally is the boat that most people put on top of their other boat so that they can go places that their big boat can't get to, all right? But that's my big boat, all right? In fact, I'm thinking about getting a small boat and calling it my dinghy, and just it's going to be a toy toy boat and putting my dinghy on the front of my boat, all right? Uh, and be like, yeah, it's my dinghy. I only take that out when I absolutely need to get into the small stuff, all right? It's a 15-foot inflatable raft, uh, and, yeah, it's it's uh, literally, literally, the, the <laughs> I took my friends out. Uh, like, we were like, we were like 60 miles out onto the ocean, okay? And we like we like go in and out of bays. And we like get out there, and I'm like fishing next to all these guys, right? And they're like, oh, yeah. And we're like talking, like, oh, did you come out this morning? Like, no, we came out last night. He's like, so where's your boat? It's like, oh, no, we came out here in this. You came out here on that? Seriously? He's <laughs> like, yeah, you guys are crazy. <laughs> I was like, I'm perfectly fine. This thing's safe. It's, it's whatever and whatever. Okay. So anyways, I, I was like really proud of my boat. I was like, yeah, I got a boat. All right. And I had a lot of fun on my boat. And all of a sudden, everybody else's boats start looking a little bit nicer than Steve's. And Steve's like, you know, this entitlement came in. Well, Steve, you're, you're approaching your mid-30s now. And you got some friends who are in their early 30s. They got a lot nicer boats than you. And then I remember my, my buddy John Farr pulled up. And John Farr has a very similar boat to mine, all right? Except John Farr's boat is 16 feet long. Mine's only 15 feet long. Mine has a 25-horse motor on the back, and his has a 50-horse motor on the back. And I was just, like, jealous of his 16-foot boat with 25 extra horsepower. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, ah, John, I really like your boat. It's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of kicking myself. I think I should have bought a bigger one because I would have liked a little bit of extra room near the bow. And it would have been a little, it would have been nice to go a little bit faster. And, and I just, man, I just, uh, you know, I just, I just really like your boat, John. And John Farr, my friend, he looked at me and he goes, Steve, there's always a bigger boat, Steve. And that's all he said. And that statement 
literally has stuck with me now for two years. And every single time Steve's flesh feels entitled to more, I tell myself, Steve, there's always a bigger boat, Steve. There's always a bigger boat. Oh, I wish I got paid more for this thing. There's always a bigger boat, Steve. Oh, I wish this was better in my life. I wish I had a nicer car. There's always a bigger boat, Steve. There's always a bigger boat. You see, I believe that one of the reasons that David was able to renew his mind is because his mind was on eternity. And he realized that, again, a a 75-foot boat or a 17-foot boat, it doesn't matter to God. They're both small boats to our God, and they're both small in comparison to eternity. And when we start to think a little smaller in comparison to our thought process of eternity, anxiety starts to diminish. Are you guys hearing this? Am I trying to control things that were never mine to control? Am I trying to carry weight that wasn't mine to carry? Am I looking for a struggle-free life? Is that my aim? If that's your aim, oof, you're going to look to other things that aren't ever going to give you the peace that you're looking for. And am I keeping eternity in mind? Then we will renew our perspective. Then we'll be able to renew our minds. And then we can renew our trust in our God. Here's what we're going to do tonight. Is we're going to spend some time reflecting here. I'm going to have the worship team just play quietly for about two more minutes. And then I'm going to ask that if there's something that you are anxious about in your life, that you would come and receive prayer for them. We're going to have the prayer team in the back, and I don't want you to be shy tonight. We have about 12 minutes here to close, and we're just going to take the next 12, 13 minutes to just spend time with the Lord, being able to make Him bigger than our problem, renew our minds, right? Just say, God, help me renew my mind, and then help me renew my perspective. If you're here tonight and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus and you'd like one, if we could just have everybody bow their heads and just close their eyes, I just I just want to pray for us in here. If you're here tonight and you don't have a relationship with Jesus but you'd like one, maybe you've had a relationship with Jesus in the past and it's grown cold and stagnant, and you'd like to renew that relationship tonight, could you just raise your hand? Is that for anybody? If that's you tonight, I would love to talk with you. Please find me in the back of the room. If you're here tonight and you know that God needs to do something in this area of your life, in the area of anxiety, I'm going to pray over all of us in just a little bit, and then we're just going to spend some time reflecting, and then we're going to move about the room to receive prayer. Maybe you want to get prayer prayed for by your small group leader. Otherwise, we can we can pray uh, in the back of the room, or maybe you just say, I just need these moments with Jesus. You can sit tight in your seat and just spend those moments with Jesus. Lord, I, I ask that you would speak to us tonight about our anxiety. Would we renew our minds, renew our trust in you, and renew our perspectives in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
invite you as, as the as Anna leads us in worship to just let's spend these next few moments asking people to come alongside of us to pray for whatever it is that we've been worried and anxious about in here. And guys, we all raise our hand. We're all anxious. So don't be embarrassed to come for, for prayer. Uh, we're, we all struggle with this. And so um, don't, be, don't be embarrassed to come ask for prayer.